Welcome to Highly Functioning, a show about exploring, understanding, and optimizing the mind from a non-neurotypical lens. On this episode of Highly Functioning, we cover the differences in psychological profiles, how we might be feeling anxiety but not identify it as such due to some of the preconceived notions we may have, and how political correctness can create a hotbed for anxiety and anxious feelings. An important topic we stressed is how you should surround yourself with people who understand that you are a fallible human being and know your good intentions, and that the people that you might not see as having anxiety may actually have the most of it. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcasting app. Follow us and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash highlyfunctioning. And if you like our content, consider supporting us at highlyfunctioning.ca. There, you'll find bonus content, Q&As, and be able to provide direct input on how you can change the show. Hey, David. Hey, Winston. How you doing? I'm doing okay. It was a rough week last week. My, I was super amped up, and now I'm kind of coming down from it, but generally it's all right. How are you? I'm okay. Um, doing a little bit better. Um, it's nice. I look forward to these, to these conversations because I think it's a, it's a short way for me to really like spend some time thinking. And of course, like I mentioned on our last episode, coming off of a concussion, I can't really do that as well. Um, and this is like almost like a little bit of exercise that I can do to like, you know, get my brain going uh, just before like, you know, after I go on like some, uh, before I fully ramp up, it allows me to sort of like uh, drip feed that in there. Um, mm-hmm. So I look forward to them. But uh, to talk about, to bring up the topic that I think we should talk about today, uh, it's something that we've sort of riffed on a little bit back and forth over the past week and, and, uh, and beyond. Um, it's about how, and the way that you framed it was how, in terms of psychology, the overarching direction that they're going towards is not just labeling uh, mental health illnesses or conditions as these buckets like Asperger's um, or OCD or things like that, but rather talking about their underlying characteristics and almost looking at that as like, what level of anxiety do you feel? Uh, and almost putting all those traits, I, I almost visualize it like a bar graph and wherever you fit on all of these traits uh, determines your condition. And because it's so varied, profile. exactly. And um, the way um, and where you put, where you are on those traits really determine like how exactly, how exactly your mental profile exists and mm-hmm. whether, um, and it, it helps to show that like not everybody who has Asperger's or everybody who has OCD is not exactly the same. They have different levels and change uh, differently, but and of course you brought the that... topic up. So I think <laughs> I'm going to let you riff a little bit on um, how exactly you figured this out and um, well, what if... sort of things that you've learned. Yeah, well, if anything, it also makes me think of like the fact that they went to autism spectrum disorder, right? So it's like, because to label someone autistic, there's like a wide range of what that meant or whatever, right? So I think it's like a continuation of a proper approach, right? Um, You know, clearly there are many variables in an individual's mind and we want to figure out what those variables are and then what, how to treat each kind of change in a variable. The reason this came up to me is so I I recently had a psychiatric assessment and it was like a four hour intake. And at the end of it, he told me I had anxiety and I'm like, okay, thank you, sir. I knew that already. Right. And so, cause, but it made me think that, you know, perhaps many of my autistic traits are either precursors to anxiety or very much like anxiety in a deeper sense. 
So it, since then, I've really started to think about it. And I do actually think that autism and anxiety are very closely related. And it's just as if I'm anxious about more things at a deeper level. So like when I think of anxiety, generally, I think of, oh, I'm worried about this conversation. I hope it goes well with Winston. Oh, I'm worried about the date I have later. And I mean, not to dismiss anxiety. I had really, really bad anxiety. But the more I started to understand it, the more I understood that I even had anxiety about my thinking processes. And like the same process that would happen about like, you know, events in my life, that would just go on generally. So it was almost as if my subconscious had meta anxiety or something. And that's what really started to freak me out and what led me to my deeper exploration that led to an ADHD diagnosis and now an anxiety diagnosis. But to me, it's, it's definitely something different because, but it's that same process, right? So it's that same way I hyperanalyze events, but I tend to hyperanalyze everything, not by choice. My brain just seems to do that. And so that's what got me thinking. Maybe it is the fundamentally same thing. And you can even, you know, this is a bit tongue in cheek, but it's sincere for me. Um, you can even think if like the more ang anxious you get, you could picture being so overwhelmed with anxiety that you're immobilized. And that is what like people who suffer from severe to autism experience. They really like are so overwhelmed with stimulants, uh, like with sensory stimulation or with their thinking that they can't do anything. And I've experienced that. I've experienced like, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't do anything. And as I've become more comfortable with myself, this is something we've talked about. I actually kind of let, let's say, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but let's say I let my autism flare up a bit more. You know, so there was an example where I was really anxious about something simple. My dad was switching where my bed was in our, in our uh, family cottage. And I let myself go like, because ah, ah, my brain was really like, I wasn't anxious about it in a like, it's like, I wasn't worried that, you know, maybe I won't be able to sleep tonight. It wasn't anxiety in a traditional sense, but it was that same mechanism of me being really uncomfortable, part of my brain overthinking to such a degree that it needed to express itself and I didn't know how to express it. And so it just came out as like, and it's like, yeah, maybe I'm projecting cause I see other people do that, but it was, it seemed to be a natural response actually. The same way I sometimes go like, mm, mm, mm. and these are very stereotypical things that I didn't used to do, but the more I've allowed myself to just not filter and, and like, let's say filter my behavior, I find myself making these noises as a way to express what's going on in my mind when my mind feels overwhelmed. And it's not the exact same as when it's overwhelmed with anxiety, but the more I think about it, the more it seems to be quite interrelated, which is what's really interesting. And especially because I just kept getting hit with this diagnosis of anxiety. And I'm like, no, there's definitely something there. So I don't know if this is just anxiety applied in a different realm, if this is where anxiety comes from, like it's because of this process. And then when it's like my values are at stake, then it's like even worse or something. But that's kind of where my current thinking is. And I think it's interesting that, you know, as the psychology industry develops further, hopefully we'll be able to get more clarity on things like this. Because otherwise it's like what, like, you know, there's anxiety, there's like sensory inputs. And like, what else are the 
things, the, the traits that lead to autism or Asperger's. And it's like, yeah, is this one thing or two things? And, and I just find it really interesting. And so when you went on this um, sort of four hour um, diagnosis session that this psychologist had with you, um, did they give you any sort of, I don't want to say treatment, but like um, help in terms of like how you deal with that? And like when you mentioned, like when sometimes you feel like you, you need to let your autism sort of flare up a little bit, do you find that that's more helpful and it sort of helps you deal with your anxiety at all? Or what did you almost feel like they just was like, I can't quite figure out what uh, David has. So I'm just going to put it into this bucket of anxiety and just say that you have like a different form or version of it. No. So the, the actual psychiatrist was useless. <laughs> it was not a helpful thing. It's not even worth going into because he basically just listened to my, like asked me questions about my life, fit it into his pre- conceptions, didn't actually listen to any of my insights as if any, I had any knowledge about my own brain, right? And then just said, oh, I th you have general anxiety disorder. And I was like, I just gave up like probably two thirds of the way through. I was just like, I know where this is going. I don't care anymore. You're not helpful, dude. Um, so it was kind of unfortunate. Um, so no, like I, I'm trying to get to a point where I can talk to mental health professionals as like an equal and they actually assume I have some knowledge about my own mind, which seems very, very difficult to achieve, which is really unfortunate. Um, because otherwise they just kind of, they, they just f slot me into whatever bucket they're most comfortable with. And so there's no, there wasn't even a chance we were gonna talk about any of the specific issues I have now. Cause it was like, well, we focused about, okay, tell me about your entire life Oh, okay, you must have anxiety. It was it was freaking useless, and it, it just confirms the the sad state of the psychological profession to me. I'm not obviously there are some people who would be better, but yeah. So there's no insights to share from from him. Um, but I have found it really helpful to let it out um, in these ways. It's actually really helped relieve the pressure. The same way you shouldn't. I shouldn't. It's almost like an expression of emotion, but it's like a. I don't know how to feel emotion well or properly, so I express it verbally, right? Because it's like, you know, that same anxiety about the, the bed being moved. And it's like also, like, I'm a 28-year-old adult, right? Like, it's like, like, I should be able to just deal with a simple change. But it really, I could, it was really like an anxiety-inducing experience. But it, I didn't really feel it in my body that much. And I've, I know what anxiety feels like when I have like a pit in my stomach or whatever. And so I'd say it definitely is really helpful to let it out that way. The same way, you know, sometimes I just want to yell into the air because I'm really mad. And it's like good to have an expression of it. And it's like, yeah, it seems like it's a good mechanism to kind of let the pressure out, but also acknowledge the feeling is acceptable because I'm mm -hmm. acting on something, right? Um, so I found it hugely beneficial, but I'm really interested. Do you relate at all? We've talked about this a bit um, and I don't want to push your concussed brain, but um, what do you think about like why you think you have Asperger's versus, you know, traditional notions of anxiety? So, because the major thing that like, because so, when I first, of course, had some conversations with you, I was like, oh, like David seems a little odd. Uh, let me, like, I, I don't quite have the same feelings that some people at least that i've talked to with anxiety feel 
And uh, like, if I'm being quite honest, sometimes I've looked, looked at that and be like, oh, like, I don't really get it. Like, I don't know why you're so anxious about these things. But the more and more I started sort of paying attention, we talked about like introspection and almost paying attention to you paying attention um, about like what your brain is going through. And I realized that a lot of the anxiety that I would feel was very different from, uh, from other people. So one of, the, one of that would be like, before I was going to have a conversation, like even before having this conversation today, um, for like two hours beforehand, I was thinking like, oh my God, um, I'm going to be doing a podcast with David. I have a concussed brain. I can't really recall things as quickly. Um, how is this going to go? How, how will it look like? Right. What will this look like if someone else sees it? Um, is this going to affect my career? What if I say something wrong? Cause I can't recall things. And like, I'm just doing this thing over and over in my head. And like, I feel like I, from experience, I have a good way of not showing it to other people. Um, but if you, if I let myself go, I'll know that I'm like, I'll, I'll like really go off the rails being like, I am so worried about the future, the past, or like, I'll finish a podcast here and then I'll look back and be like, I should have said this thing differently. Like I could have done this so much better. What if someone misinterprets this and takes this the wrong way? And that's sort of my anxiety sort of boiling up and continuously doing things. But um, a, a funny thing that I actually relate to better now with this, like the fact that I like got, got through a head injury was that I feel like I'm not as good at sort of hiding the little bit and like that's part of like concussion that they did but um, i have less of a shorter oh okay sorry um let me know if it gets better am i still no, freezing it's been going on for like a couple minutes what did you catch anything i said yeah i caught some of it but it's like lagging with the video and then like catching up fast and stuff oh, okay i see so basically um part of what i was saying um is the fact that Sometimes I'll find that a lot of my anxiety manifests in me thinking about the future and the past about things that I should have been doing or things that like, what if I do something the wrong way? And I'll sort of go so far into the future with it that isn't really realistic or isn't useful anymore. Like right, I would start doing. That's so, what anxiety is. So you're saying like, that's how it manifests for you, but that's literally the definition of anxiety. And that's what I wanted to highlight is the way you and I have talked about like the algorithms we run and like needing to know how to be in each situation. That's like the textbook definition of anxiety is, but and the, I, I the used thing to that think noticed... I was over analytical. I wasn't anxious. I didn't care necessarily about the outcome. I just wanted to make sure it went as best as possible. Right. And, and so I would run, but that that's is anxiety. But that's what I really want to hit on, right? Which is that I relate in the fact that at least from what I saw, it wasn't as traditional as what people with anxiety look like. Because like a lot of the time, people with anxiety are the ones like, oh, like I, I can't, like they'll shut down. I don't know what I'm doing or like I'll like fall apart or whatever. I never really had those. And maybe that's just my preconceived notions that are completely yeah. wrong, right? But um, for me, it was just like, oh, like I am overly analytical. I think about things way too much, but it doesn't really affect my ability to function. Uh, at some point I uh, would just be like, let me just do it. Like there's no point of me not doing it. Um, yeah. And so like, that's sort of how I would sort of would relate to you in terms of like feeling that way. And part of what, at least what I liked about having this conversation was that like, I see that people experience things differently or have subtle differences in how they react or are able to do things. And just because it doesn't fit that mold of what you might see on TV or you might, what you might see on like a post about anxiety doesn't necessarily mean you don't have those. 
Because I remember having a conversation with some of my friends talking to me like, oh, like I get anxious. And I was like, I don't understand what you getting anxious is. I don't get anxious until like at one point it was so powerful that I felt it. I was like, oh, like this is just what I feel a lot of the time. It's just, <laughs> it got to a point where the pressure was so high. I was like, now I sort of see it. Um, right. And it was pretty funny. It, like, it happened and I was like, and literally like I was having a, um, having a crisis while doing a presentation where in my head I was going, oh shit, I'm having what they call an anxiety attack, but I have to remember what the next words are. And I'm like, if I don't remember what the next words are, um, like this is going to go horribly. And now I'm like in my head while speaking, paying attention to what happens in the future if I screw this up. And then as a result, screw it up. I, it was, it, it, I just tried finishing my sentence as quickly as I could. And I just sat down and acted like nothing happened. <laughs> and right. then I remember going home and like texting, texting my girlfriend at the time being like, oh my God, like I actually had the first anxiety experience. And now I understand it much better. Um, so I do relate to you, not as much um, exactly, but there's a lot of places where I can see a lot of similarities. Well, no, but I want to push you back on you because I think it, that's, this is what we've talked about before. That is anxiety. Like the, what, what you have is anxiety as far as I understand what anxiety is. It's thinking about things to try and optimize it, not just living in the moment, trusting that when you get to the presentation or the podcast or whatever it is, you'll be able to do it properly, right? And only thinking about it in advance when you're explicitly, consciously deciding to think about it in advance, not just letting your mind choose to think about it to try and optimize it in advance. And the difference for me was you said like, you know, you were always over at, you were always very analytical, but not anxious. I was so analytical. I was just consistently anxious my whole life. And that's why also like my, when we talk about our emotions, I had a like anxious connection with my emotions because anxiety is like real anxiety or like deep anxiety is that emotional aspect as well. So I was always like stuck in that mode. And so for you, it sounds like normally it's pretty manageable. So it doesn't actually impact your emotions and you don't feel like threatened, let's say. And so that's the difference potentially, but it's a difference of degree, not order. And I put forward that even so when I think of Dawn in The Rosie Project, which I'd recommend everyone uh, read, it's a great book, very quick, easy read. Um, like he's an anxious mess because but he's not portrayed. He's not actually anxious, but he needs to know the right answer. And if he doesn't, he gets uncomfortable or he doesn't know what to do because he can't just trust his gut, trust his instinct. He knows that doesn't exist. And so if he doesn't know the answer, how can he possibly move forward? But the whole idea is to trust yourself, right? It's this mm -hmm. idea that we've been talking about presence, being grounded, being in the moment and not worrying about, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Am I gonna upset them? Am I not gonna upset them? And so very much the main thing, like, so there is definitely like a sensory input thing around Asperger's autism, but one of the major things is this, like, let's call it hyper-rational um, over-analysis. And that to me is literally the exact same thing with anxiety, it's just a matter of degrees. And so I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Like I would, if someone asked me now, uh, I would probably say that I, that I have anxiety. It's just, I was trying to point out that like a lot of the time um, people don't know that they have anxiety because right. they, they look at over at, 
they almost separate the two between uh, being over analytical and being anxious. Because right. like, even right now, I'm having a little bit of anxiety and I'm like, oh man, like I stuttered a little bit while I was talking like, oh, like what if I didn't say the right thing? What if I'm contradicting myself? And like, it sort of goes up, but I'm not going to have like, I'm not going to have a meltdown um, in that specific case. Um, but there are right. times where like I'm overthinking it while, while doing things. And people, I, I think it's really important to let people know that those are anxious feelings and mm-hmm. that it's important to sort of address those and understand that you should trust yourself in, in, in like just talk or just trust that you know how to act in a specific situation. And I think a perfect example we can talk about is like, I remember the first sort of the first podcast that we, um, we recorded, I was like, Oh, like, I don't know if this is a good, good podcast. Like, I feel like I was rambling a bit. And then I listened to it again and I was like, oh, like I was totally coherent. Like it totally made sense. It was just in my head. I felt like I was not saying the right things, doing the right things and just overthinking and being anxious about it. Um, and I think it's well, important, to, important to share that. It's interesting because being in that, it's, there's a few points that I think are really important to capture both for you and for people who've been in similar situations. Cause I have that experience sometimes still, but not often, but I had that. I was re I was recently a guest on someone's podcast called either unlocking Liberty or Liberty unlocked. I forget Don Watkins podcast, donswriting.com. Um, and after it, I asked him how it came across because I was in a really bad mental state. I was quite distracted and I wasn't sure if I was coherent. And normally I know I'm coherent because I just trust myself because like I don't think before I speak. I've never thought before I spoke. It's very difficult for me to. So I'm kind of used to it. But I actually just recorded a podcast yesterday with someone who afterwards they were really worried. They weren't sure how if they made sense. And I thought it was like an extremely well done uh, interview. I thought it was so good. But for me, the way I would put it is that's talking from the heart right? That's being present in the moment and just being fully engaged in the conversation. When I talk, I have no idea what's coming out of my mouth most of the time, literally. And there's times I talk and I learn from myself as I'm talking because I just talk unfiltered. And so that, and when you're really in a conversation, when like, it's like if traditionally you'd say like, okay, if someone's yelling at the top of their lungs. They're so angry. They can't control themselves. They don't know what they're saying. They're just yelling, right? They know all they're thinking is talk or yell. That's the only thing in their mind. And then it's just kind of coming out of their subconscious. That's what good writing is, or like with a lot of structure, obviously. And that's how I communicate. That's why I'm a very good communicator and, you know, public speaking on all this stuff, but that's where it comes from. It comes from trusting yourself so much that you know what you know, and you'll be able to communicate it properly in the moment, right? And it's the difference between, you know, having three talking points to go give a speech versus just memorizing the whole speech, because God forbid you say the, you say the instead of a uh, or whatever, right? And so again, it comes back to that same thing. And, and so I think, I think that's a good example. And I want to highlight that is what allows people to be really good communicators, to be present, to be empathetic, is to actually be in that moment, just talking honestly. That's what a conversation is supposed to be. That's what good conversations are supposed to be. And we don't see that in the media at all anymore. And and I think many people struggle with that generally um, because they're so worried about offending the other person. And like, I remember when I first started to like be 
following like political correctness stuff, it like the anxiety was unbearable because I had to like triple think everything before I said it because it was like, oh my God, what if I offend what? And it's, it's so damaging. And so I think it like gives, if anyone wants to know what it's like to be anxious or over analytical about their speaking, like we're talking about, just try and talk publicly. And why does it feel that way? And I think a lot of people feel that way in their relationships because they're worried about like injuring someone or, or you know, upsetting them. And, and I think we've talked about this before. I don't remember if on the podcast, but like I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to need to filter my thoughts. I refuse to need to think about my thoughts. And I just don't engage with people who require that of me because I think that they should trust that I'm a good person, trust that I'm trying to be a good person. And that if I say something and make a mistake, that I will recognize that and apologize and correct it. And it's not malicious or anything. And so the more that I talk to people like that, I can actually practice being authentic, just talking from the heart or whatever it is. And I like how you, uh, like how you said that, because I find that the best people that I can have the best conversations with are those people that have that like initial, like I almost say it with my friends, which is like automatically assume that what I'm saying has good intentions, unless like you ask me and I can tell you that it's bad intentions or it's so beyond the, beyond the realm of what seems like good intentions that you can take it as such. And when that happens, conversations go completely amazingly because of the fact that you can literally tell each other exactly how you're feeling or what you're thinking without fear that someone's going to take it a wrong way. Especially when you have thoughts in your head that you aren't quite sure are right or normal or like, Oh, like I'm feeling like hurting somebody or like punching someone in the face. And you're like, Oh, like I don't want them to think I'm a violent person. I want them to know that like, this is, I know that this is wrong, but I want to talk to someone about the way that I'm feeling. Uh, And that really helps. Uh, but one thing that I want to point out, especially for if there's like businessy type folks or people that are much more in like, um, I guess that personal development space, which is what you said di- connects directly to uh, one of Dale Carnegie's courses on public speaking, which is one of the things that he says is, well, the major part of that book is not really about like techniques to speak, um, to speak clearly or, or like uh, specific steps. It's more about teaching you how to have self-confidence in what you're saying and um, one of the people who loved that course was Warren Buffett because he's like, now, like, I know I'm not necessarily like the greatest speaker by regular terms, but I'm so confident in what I'm saying that people are like, oh, that was an amazing, amazing speech. And he's like, I feel like I'm just rambling about stuff that I like. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, a, awesome. it's a really good connection that I saw there. I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Uh, one, I guess, um, thing that one caveat that I would say is for people who are like first, I guess, making that sort of transition. One of the things that I found was that I hated the memorizing thing because um, if you missed one word, you're like, oh shit, like it's just screwing up the entire message. Is this off? And you sort of go into the anxiety trip again. So I usually just have like, these are three points that I need to hit on. And at some point I'll catch myself and be like, oh, like I should probably transition to this point to make sure that I'm coherent. And I find those are the best, best sort of speeches because you're being authentic to yourself and not trying to be someone else that you're not, which of course you're not going to do well at because that's just not you. Um, and I think that's a great, great uh, sort of connection that uh, people should uh, people should think about when they think about doing public speaking uh, in general. And and bringing it back to like autism and anxiety and the connection, I think it's a really important one as well because you know I I want to do an episode soon on like you know this idea that we speak a different language than other people and what is that like. Um, but for me, it's like because we have like the over analysis anxiety, we don't have as much 
or I didn't, and like very much the stereotype, don't have as much of the actual social anxiety, let's say, right? So like, again, like Don in this book are very much the stereotypical autistic person. They're just like state their facts. And if you don't understand or you get offended, like that's just weird, that doesn't make sense. I'm just stating my facts, right? And so, but it's because they, they're, we're like so focused on getting the like data points right in advance and then we just present it. Whereas a lot of people are more worried about how they present it. And so it's almost like, um, I don't know exactly how this connects, but that's what it makes me think of. And here's a good example of me just rambling and thinking it'll be okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, but for me, I had both. No, for me, I kind of like blasted through the second and I was like forcefully like angry if anyone was upset about what I said, right? So that's kind of like the defense mechanism is like, I, it makes me think of Ben Shapiro, facts don't care about your feelings, right? And so that was very much my view, but it was almost a defense mechanism because I didn't understand the social cues. I didn't even understand the algorithms as to what would offend or what wouldn't. So it just wasn't worth my time. And my anxiety was better spent making sure I communicated the right thing such that like that was my defense. If people did get upset, I was like, no, I've thought through this. I'm definitely right. Um, and so it was like a different approach of the same thing. But again, it makes me, you know, it, I think it connects people who feel kind of anxious or socially anxious, particularly in communication and like the stereotypical autistic person who more so does that pre-analysis. Um, and I think it's just a different manifestation of the anxiety because for me, it was, here's the point for me, it was very much um, like if I just make sure I have a rock solid foundation, then it doesn't matter if they're upset because I just know I'm right. And so it was like that defense mechanism instead. So that it was more anxiety in preparation such that I didn't have to worry about the anxiety in the conversation because anxiety in the conversation was like awful. It was so much. So I, I built up a defense and I think that's how it connects and how anxious people and autistic people kind of can start to understand um, each other's like dynamics. And I love how you brought that up because right when you said that, I was like, bam, like, like light bulb in my head. Um, because this is exactly the problem I had in university in that majority of people, like if there's anybody who I knew from university, like everyone thought I was an amazing public speaker that I always done really well in presentations and always done really well in that regard. But for people who worked with me in group projects, they knew that like, I was pretty tough to, like, I would get you that A. Like, there's no problem. I will get you that A plus, but I'm not the best person to work with um, because of the fact that like, I'm so hard on it being right and it all making sense that there are times where like, I will just completely redo the whole thing and just like literally give these parts because I'm like, oh, this person did this thing wrong and it doesn't connect. And the thing that I was anxious of is like, if I go up and present it and someone finds that it doesn't connect, the whole thing falls apart. And so once I made sure that like that specific report that I put through made so much sense that it would get that A plus, the, the presentation was easy. Cause I was like, anybody could ask me a question and I know the thing so well that like, I guarantee you in the 10 minutes you've listened to that presentation, you're not going to find a larger loophole than I already thought through right. to make sure that I've stress tested it. And so the only places where I probably wouldn't present as well is when someone's like, oh, like, here's this thing, go present it. Like, I'll go back into my patterns of like how I present, like, uh, like just sort of like techniques on how you can present a little bit better. 
Um, but I would not be as confident in my, in my, in my speaking because of the fact that I didn't do the pre-work to make sure that it was right. Um, and it's, it's quite funny that like, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people would look at me, uh, at least the people that I know personally would be like, there's no way this guy has anxiety. Like he's completely okay with talking to people and things like that. Um, and a pretty funny story was when we were literally doing those like, uh, personality tests that you get, like when you go to work or like things like that, where they like, look at, look at you on like the five traits and stuff like that. Yeah. And one of the like ex- exercise was standing up and down. If, uh, if you were like an introvert or if you were someone who's more like, um, in their head versus like going out and being like all, all about people, I sat down and everyone's like, Winston, take this thing seriously. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> you don't understand. Right. This yeah. is how I feel all the time. And like, I was getting flack for it because they're like, no, like, like I get it. You want to be the guy that sits down, but like whatever. And I was like, no, like you guys don't get it. Um, and yeah. I love how you brought that up because I think it's important to distinguish that like different anxiety might manifest itself differently and it looks different on other people. And some of the most anxious people might be the ones that you don't necessarily see as easily as someone who fits into that box that you sort of created with those preconceived notions, like I mentioned before about someone who has anxiety. So thanks for bringing that up. I'm like, I just made that connection. I was like, Oh wow. Like that's, that's, that's great that you uh, brought it up. Yeah. And I, I think it's really important and I really encourage anyone who's listening or watching to let us know if, if they can like relate their, what they consider to be Asperger's or autistic traits to anxiety in this way. Cause for me, it's definitely, it's more and more making sense that it's very much the same thing or very similar. And I totally get it. Like, it's also like, I was so pre-anxious for a party that I'd know, I'd think about, okay, how many people are going to be there? Who are the people? What's the vibe going to be? So I can pre-program myself and be an extrovert easily. And I don't have to worry about it because I've thought about it so much. Like there, there was times I, I must've ran through an event 25 times before it happened. So when it happens, it's easy. I don't have to think because I've, I've run the simulation so many times. And then it's like, I'm not anxious in the moment because I know what to do because I've practiced, right? And it's like, but it's, it, was, it was, I had such anxiety because I'd really do that, do that, do that. But it's not like, it, that I didn't seem anxious. I didn't appear anxious, right? And the way that I connect is like a lot of athletes talk about visualization of like, oh, like if they're about to have a fight, they'll think about the fight. Like I essentially do that with conversations. Like yeah. I've, like, like you mentioned, I've thought through every possible things that you can say right after I say, hi, how are you? Like, I'm like, oh, like, this is what you might ask. Like, how was your day? Like how you, what your job would be? Like all these other things. I'm like, I already know my answer. So now like, I'm not even thinking. I'm just like talking. Yeah. Um, and it's quite funny. Like that's, that's what allowed me to do well in certain things. Cause like, I think about every question that you'd have to ask after a presentation and how I would answer it. I'd answer it like five or six times um, each just so that like, it's not nothing new, but when something new comes up, I'm like, Oh shit. Like, here we go again. <laughs> but um, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Well, um, I th- uh, any uh, last thoughts that you have on that before we wrap up? Nope. Oh, that's new. <laughs> I'm only joking. But uh, great, David. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you having this conversation. Uh, I appreciate and I look you. forward to our next one. Thanks, man. It's good to know that. <laughs> Talk soon. <laughs>